Thousand and One by One, where each week we take a film out of the book, a thousand and one movies you must see before you die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. My name is Britt Reinhold Hobson. And I am Joey Rogate. Tonight, we're heading to the Bavarian Alps to a creepy castle to spend time with a mad scientist and his misunderstood constructed son. But before we get there, make sure to follow us on social medias, Twitter, Instagram, at 1001 by one Let us know what you think about this episode, the rest of the episodes we love hearing from people. First, though, some, some recommend, recommendations. Some recommendations. Britt, how about let's start with you. Great. I'm actually really excited about my recommend today. Um, I was actually having a lot of issues trying to figure out what I wanted to recommend because... I wanted to go with something that I had seen recently, but I also wanted to keep it somewhat relevant in like the horror genre-esque or maybe adjacent because it is spooky season when this comes out. And so I guess what I'm going to recommend kind of counts because I definitely call this a part of the subgenre of horror that is home invasion. Um, You could say it's horror adjacent. Yesterday, yesterday I watched an incredible film from 1964 called Lady in a Cage, and I want everyone in the world to see it. It was directed by Walter Grauman, who, side note, directed 50 episodes of Murder, She Wrote. Incredible. It stars Olivia de Havilland, and it introduces James Caan to the world, and it revolves around a woman named Cornelia, who finds herself locked in a cage between the floors of her lavish house due to an unexpected power outage at the height of summer. I don't know what else to say about this film except please go watch it. I'm obsessed with it. I, it is a, a riot and a half, and I just love it so much. So Lady in a Cage from 1964. So it's an accidental trapped in a cage. Yes, but I mean, most most of the time you're accidentally trapped in a cage. Like, what is it, 95 meters down or whatever that movie is with the shark? <laughs> right, They're yeah. accidentally locked in a cage with a shark coming at them. <laughs> so I don't think anybody purposefully locks himself well, in a Kahn's cage. Well, James Conn's in there. You don't know what he does. Well, that's true. That's true. I guess they purposefully lock themselves. He gets trapped in a wheelchair. You know. <laughs> he right, does. He true. does get trapped in a wheelchair. I guess like in um, Panic Room, they like purposefully trap themselves right. in a cage because they're in Panic Room. But this is definitely not intentional. She doesn't want to be locked in this cage. And she also just had hip surgery like six months before. So she can't jump out of the cage. Um, is that like an option? Like if she just like has like a three a foot vertical she's out of this thing it's a riot please go watch it i don't want to say anything else because it's just 
such a treat. It is such a treat, and it, I, I loved it. What's I loved it, every. Where, where did you of watch it. this? Because I'm very curious about Lady Canopy. And Page right now. Oh, okay. I watched it on Canopy. Oh, it was that's awesome. Cool. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Perfect. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out because honestly, I'm so curious, and now I'm just imagining her in a wheelchair and this cage ending like a foot over her head and just her inability to jump over it, and it's just a very funny, frustrating watch. No wheelchair. It's she just has a cane and she has issues walking, and that's one of the big struggles of it. And I, she's perfect. So poor physical therapy is why she couldn't get out of the cage. No one taught her how to use the cane. I mean, when you break your hip, you're kind of fucked. Like, that's a hard thing to come back from. That's a, that's a long road. It's a killer. Adam, what's your recommend? Yeah, so uh, here's the, here's the, the truth. I, I have been, I hardly have watched anything lately. Uh, uh, I, I've been not in my home. Uh, I, I've been away from my home more than in it. Uh, over the last two two months, uh, and um, watching things has, has been kind of uh, few and far between. So the the quick backstory to what I'm gonna recommend is that Stella, my oldest, does dance, and uh, she did like a cabaret dance class. I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and the song that they did their dance to is from my recommend because we we watched it with the girls because Stella wanted to know what this movie was all about, and so. Uh, so my recommend, and this is a genuine recommend, is the 2007 musical comedy Hairspray. Um, that is my recommend. Uh, it is it's it, it directed by Adam Shankman. It's based on the John Waters movie, um, which is a silly, campy movie about hairspray and dancing and segregation and Baltimore. Um, all of those things are relevant to the story. Um, there are. There are some misses. I don't think John Travolta is great in the movie, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I think that the surrounding cast is all really, really good. Um, and you know, side note, uh, during one of the songs, they talk about um, they talk about segregation, and my youngest goes, "What's segregation?" And so we paused the movie and we talked a little bit about it. And so I, in the middle of this really, really stupidly silly fun movie, um, I got to kind of talk about what what that was and what, why it's all the white people dancing on one side of the room and all the black people dancing on the other side in the one scene. And, and then they were kind of like, Oh, okay. And they did a little bit of a, a lesson there. Plus there's just some really fucking catchy songs in there too. Um, so I, hairspray, boom, watch it. <laughs> the, the, the lead girl from that is from like 10 minutes away from where I am. She's got a very Long Island kind of delivery and style, so I'm not not surprised to hear that. Yeah, no, like especially in a Baltimore-based movie, she's very clearly from Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> like it'd be like putting me in like a Southern movie, sounding the way I do. Like everyone would be like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Again, paid. I would pay to see this. I would 100% pay to see that. Sign me up. I mean, I think it'd be hysterical. Um, I had trouble with this recommend because everything felt very on the nose. Um, Adam, you inadvertently helped me get to this recommend. Yes. Because at the time of recording um, on, in the BPC world is our sub 50 draft, uh, yes. sub 50 tournaments going on. And you and Melissa are on the draft episode. And in the draft episode, you talk about uh, one of the movies already picked, which was Robin Hood, Men and Tights. And you, um, you say it's the seventh best Mel Brooks movie. Give or take, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, 
You took a sh- I-, I love shots and ran- and I also randomly attach low numbers to things just to piss people off. Like when No, like, really? Yeah, this I one would of my f- never expect that, Joey. One of my favorite things to do is when somebody like really likes someone I'm like, "Oh man, they only have two good songs." <laughs> people get really mad. Like people, "Oh, Madonna's so good." I'm like, "Ah, oh, Madonna only has two good songs. The rest suck." And people get really mad and then you throw out like I love Bonita and everybody. So, I I love what you did there. Um, but anyway, so then it got me thinking about Mel Brooks movies and how some of them I think are funny, others I don't. Um, but I ended up go, going here with one that I really enjoy and is very on the nose, and it's 1974's Young Frankenstein. It's, I love that movie. Um, Gene Wilder, Peter Boyle, um, I, I think it's, it's, it's up there. Um, it's, it's Henry's American grandson just trying to prove that Grandpa wasn't a nut job. I was in that musical. Really? Yeah, I was one of the background people, so I think my husband was the one who said, wow, you were very pretty set dressing during that show. Because <laughs> the ensemble has nothing to do, nothing to do in that. Um, but whatever, it was my first show back in Seattle, so I was happy to be cast when there were 100 people at callbacks. But yeah. Oh, God. But yeah, yeah. so. So, Lady in a Cage, Hairspray, and Frankenstein. And Adam, what thank is- you for the assist there. Thank you. Oh. Oh, of of course, and I would say uh, I'm glad you didn't say too much because Young Frankenstein in the book. So down the road could be something that we talk about in greater detail. Yeah, yeah, uh, well aware of that. You left left it all vague, but it it, it all worked for my because I this is the hardest I, I I had with the recommend because everything felt either very on the nose or just very like chaotic. And I haven't I was away last week, so I haven't seen anything new that really like hit. So. But, I don't have an excuse. I was just not inspired. I mean, Lady in a Cage. Oh, a woman, a woman had, tripping in a cage is amazing. I had it's such incredible. a, I had such great plans to watch the Kenneth Branagh Frankenstein. I had such great plans to watch Gods and Monsters, which is all about James oh, Whale. Yeah, um, I did. I didn't get to any of these. I, I just, I just, it, this life is crazy, you know. I had grand um, expectations of doing that as well, and then I was uninspired, so I didn't. There it is. I've watched a lot of um, clips from Gods and Monsters on YouTube. Yeah. So I feel like I got what I needed from Gods and Monsters. Fair. That's fair. And it also is not really an accurate biopic it's very much um they 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 picked and chose what they wanted to put in there and then made the rest up so as far as i've heard again i didn't watch it so i don't know but that's what i heard yeah it's fine but today we're going to 1931 (laughs) frankenstein (laughs) directed by james whale starring colin clive may clark boris karlov question mark John Bowles and Edward Van Sloan, based on the 1818 novel by Mary Shelley, Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus. Dr. Frankenstein dares to temper with life and death by creating a human monster out of lifeless body parts. Is this movie in the IMD Top 250? What do y'all think? I, I didn't look. I didn't look. I didn't I'm get, either. I'm getting so better at not looking. <laughs> it's so um, hard. Uh, I, come on. It, doesn't, it has to be, right? I, I mean, that's how I feel. Um, I think I have to agree and say it has to be in there. Would I put it there? I don't know. But it's got to be there. I thought so, too. But it is not. Whoa. What? Okay. okay. Well, that's 
you know, this list. Did you check where Joker was? Because I didn't. It's Um, number three. Oh, wow. That's fucking ridiculous. (laughs) But it's the IMDb top 250. I would not be surprised. Eventually, it's going to overtake Shawshank, right? It's going to be like super one. So it's going to get like one with an exponent. Yeah, it's going to have like little stars around it. Don't worry. Joker 2 is going to come out and put Lady Gaga on that. I'm going to be voting that like a super hundred. So don't worry. Um, so in 1991, this movie was filmed, put into the National Film Registry. Yes, Big it was. surprise. Right. Shocker. Um, you know, nothing really, you know, random like awards put in 100 years later. So nothing crazy. But. Whoa, whoa. But you got to talk about what else was included in that year. Because we got some prior. 2001 A Space Odyssey was inducted in 91. Dang. Um, uh, Previous episode, City Lights. Previous episode, Lawrence of Arabia. Previous episode, Sherlock Jr. And BPC staple and favorite, Gigi, was inducted the same year as uh, Gigi is in the... uh, Oh, yes, it is. It is. Gigi. It is. The third ever year the National Film Registry put in films, they made sure to get fucking Gigi in there. Yeah. Because they really love that song, Thank Heaven. They made sure that Maxim got in there because... (laughs) Gigi, assuming I'm the high man on Gigi in this room. Yes. Hey, I'm going to watch it. The whisper singing Classic. scene is amazing, and I will not hear any other nonsense. I mean, it's been a really long time since I've seen Gigi, so maybe I need to revisit it. Um... No. No. It's, you know what it is. I do. The, the lyrics to Thank Heaven uh, just they make you feel real bad that you have to watch Ooh. the rest of a movie. Sometimes I just remember those lyrics and go, Jesus Christ, and like curl up in whatever seat I'm in going, how did that make the cut? How did no one look at this and think, huh, maybe we should change those? Yeah. So. I'm, yep. I'm on a roll today, y'all. I know. I'm I, this off is in fucking space. Home Brit is just fired up, not having to deal with traffic. Yeah. Maybe I'm just trying not to talk about this movie. Maybe that's what it is. Well, we're not there yet. But we are up to Britt's favorite thing, and that's lists. Oh, Jesus Christ. I forgot we did lists. We know. Every time. So this was, all the lists were just, most of the lists were just ranking all the different Frankenstein versions of movies throughout time. Um, But then I finally did find in in 2022, um, sci-fi, Siffy, their terrible naming, um, ranked all the universal classic monsters. Oh, that's fun. Which I thought was really cool. And I was very happy because I, it took me a while to vet through the 30 different version of this is all the Frankenstein movies. Yeah. So I was very, so I was happy. So here we go. This is from 2022. Number seven, The Wolfman. Number six, The Mummy. Number five, The Invisible Man. Four, Dracula. Three, Frankenstein. Two, the creature from the Black Lagoon. And one, the Bride of Frankenstein. I agree with this. Bride of Frankenstein should be number one. I definitely agree with that. A creature seems a little high. I think creature above Dracula is interesting. But uh, see, but- I'm. I think it should be Bride of Frankenstein 1, Frankenstein 2, and then Creature. Okay. I'm good with Creature over Dracula. So is this, okay, 
I just need a little clarification on this list in general. Is this the movie itself or the monster being portrayed in said movie? It's the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not like the whole world. It's 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 the movie. Yeah, I'm not sure where I'd put Frankenstein then, but I would put Bride of Frankenstein at the very, very, very top. Yeah, I actually, I think this, my only switch would be Frankenstein and Creature from the Black Lagoon. The rest seem, I mean, the rest seem to track, but I don't, I don't know. I have opinions, friends, opinions. Because I, you know, I know, I know a lot of people, Dracula's their favorite, but I've always, I'm Frankenstein over Dracula. As character. That's that's very interesting because I do have a question to ask both of you, and I guess I can ask it now. But maybe I'll maybe I'll wait because you kind of already answered it. But oh, yeah. Okay, so I can start this out by saying, do y'all have a favorite of like the? I don't really want to say universal monsters because I'm not really including like all of them, but like your favorite type of monster movie. And I will include Frankenstein as an overall just, like, monster in that. If you were to choose between, like, Dracula, Frankenstein, well, I guess vampire, Frankenstein, wolfman, mummy, those, like, big ones. Do you have a favorite? Because I know what mine is. Like, hands down. Easy. Ooh, that's, that's Ooh. Yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, I'm pretty sure it's not vampire for me. I think... Uh, the, the two T's of Twilight and True Blood kind of ruined vampires yeah, forever. Yeah, it's not vampires for me, for, me. Oh, for sure. See, y'all, I am a basic-ass bitch. I am such <laughs> a basic bitch. I love iced coffee in the dead of winter. I am a huge Taylor Swift fan, and I will choose vampires every single day. I am such a vampire fan. I think they are so sexy. I think they are so interesting. And I think that their folklore is incredible. So I am way more likely to watch a vampire movie, even if it's shit, over like a Frankenstein or a Wolfman movie. Hands down. Easy. Easy for me. You know what the rest of those don't have? They don't have Hmm. dorks running around being like, oh, I'm a vampire, pretending only going out at night. (laughs) You know what? I'm okay with that, though, because you get something like thirst, and I'm like, yeah, give me thirst every day. I love it. There are so many fun vampire movies out there, and I just can't say the same for the others, in my opinion. I'm coming out swinging today. I'm. Yeah, I don't know. Dracula's always uh, like, woo, I'm a bat. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. (laughs) Garlic. Definitely definitely not my favorite. Um. (laughs) Nicholas Cage is not my favorite in general, so I don't. Uh, I don't he's the need... only good vampire. I, I need to <laughs> put that out me. there. No. When we're <laughs> ranking is... vampires, it's from Renfield this year. Cage, Bella Lugosi, boo, probably Robert Pattinson, and oh, then they're I'm, they're all we are flipping fighting. Off her. How, we are fighting well, how is it 100%. not Cage? Cage should be one A and one B because a vampire's kiss. I mean, you, you kiss. Oh right shit! Over. You're right. Oh, yeah, Vampire Kiss doesn't need to exist. Uh, it's one but umbrella. It does. It does. Though, it does. It's but it's wonderful. It's, it's, kind of so good. it's, kind of it's so not, good. It's not though. It's so boring. Um, I don't. You know. I got to be honest. I don't really think I have uh, a good answer to that question. Uh, as, as we get into talking about Frankenstein. Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I no. Well. No. Compl- no. No. I just mean it, these movies are kind of. Kind of outside of outside of Bride of Frankenstein, which I 
like thoroughly enjoy. These movies are gobbledygook. So uh, so we can talk about that gobbledygook in a little bit. Um, so I don't really know. I don't know. If we're talking about like the universal monsters, Frankenstein's my favorite. But I think Bride of Frankenstein's the best of them. Yeah. But I, I like Frankenstein. I like the idea of a doctor just instead of just taking one dead body and creating and putting it back to life, just sewing people together for some reason. Like, that's fascinating. It is. It is. We'll get it. Let, let's start our conversation about it because I got opinions. I got things to say. So, cast real quick. Con Clive is Henry Frankenstein. Mae Clark is Elizabeth. John Bowles is Victor, the buddy. Boris Karloff, question mark, is the monster. Edward Von Sloan, Dr. Walden. And Dwight Fry is Fritz. So, uh, the, the starting of the movie, the, the later edition with the doctor coming out and kind of, you know, doing the, the, the treehouse of horror, get ready to be scared gimmick. How sensitive were people 80 years ago that they needed this? I think it's to build tension though, right? To to kind of make the audience feel like, oh gosh, something's coming that they had to warn me about it. And that just build that gives you an atmosphere of just, uh, of anxiety. I I totally agree that that's what they're going for. And and, and the, the one documentary I watched, um, they talked, you know, they, they, they remind you of the things that you just probably forget about. And so, you know, I, I guess in the, in the great depression, people weren't used to this kind of, of, of being scared. That being said, they should pick like, then scare me. This guy, this guy did a piss poor job at whatever he was asked to do. Mm, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe you're going to do the blah, 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 blah. It was like, yeah, I don't think so. So corny. Like, make it creepy then. Like, put do have him do it in the castle get, then. Get fucking Ar- Orson Welles out there to fucking be like, ladies and gentlemen, what you are about to see. <laughs> or camp it up. Like, right. like really play with it. it. It felt very much like he was like, so you got my paycheck literally <laughs> off camera? Cool. Thank you. I'll read off the, the cue cards. No problem. And he did it one take and was like, bitches, I'm out of here. Right. Because that's my least favorite part of the movie. And that's how the movie starts. Which, but it's a tough way to start. I don't think it sets it up for uh, success, in my humble opinion. Right. Well, I agree what they were going for. I don't think it landed whatsoever. And I think there's easily ways to do it. Just do it in his, um, I know they did it after, but do it in his lab. And make it, like, feel something. Not just, oh, this is going to be scary. I promise. I feel like, Joey, you actually gave it more enthusiasm than he did. (laughs) Just then. Yeah. That's what, yeah, I mean, he just, he was past his character. He was, was like, all right, I'll come back. Fucking Henry. He's past his bedtime. Like, he was, he was ready to go to sleep after that. And I get it. I go to bed at 830. But still, man, come on. I'm not sure that guy lived past the day, to be perfectly honest. Whoa! He was going to cash that check and just fucking just... Just Turn to dust. Yeah, just dust. (laughs) Just a check floating in the air. Exactly. (laughs) And and some little street urchin grabbed it. It was like, oh, I got some money! And like took off and like went to cash it. That's... That's, Hopefully that's that street urchin had a really great life after that. And that guy went on to become John D. Rockefeller. No, I'm, I'm just 
I'm not sure how old the Rockefellers are. That, that's probably not true. That's, that's pretty hey, damn old listen, as that's far not, as I know. Not true, what I just said. <laughs> it could be. You're talking about everything we say on this podcast is true 100% of the time. All of it. There is no mm-hmm. nonsense. But I love the way we meet Henry Frankenstein stalking a funeral. Yeah. With his boy pretty. Fritz. Yeah, it's a good it's a good introduction. Now, Britt, I know that you mentioned that you weren't going to reread this, but can I as somebody as 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 the patron saint of Britt's reading corner, um can the character is Victor in the book, yes. right? Yes. Yes. And his boy is Henry. Victor's t- Henry. And it's Yes. Yeah. And they that was the names. The, I that is one of the most arbitrary swaps in any type of media I've ever seen it makes no sense to me I even heard someone who was like yeah it doesn't really make sense but I think Henry Frankenstein has a way better ring to it and I was like no his name is freaking Victor Victor Frankenstein is an incredible name he's an incredible character um he I mean he's not he's an asshole but you know that neither here nor there the fact that his name is Henry when when his friend is named Henry it just it just it does not make sense and I'm I'm gonna be perfectly honest I, uh, this is a, a confession. I thought I had seen Frankenstein. I assumed I had seen Frankenstein. I was like, I've seen this movie. I'm, I absolutely have seen this movie. I had not seen Frankenstein. I just knew what happened in Frankenstein. And I'm going to be honest. I might lose my my horror movie cred here when I say this is not my favorite movie. Um There are so many things in this film that I was not a fan of. And I'm going to say that it's because I am a Mary Shelley stan forever. She is goth mommy forever. And the the opening credits, they're going. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to look to see where they have Mary Shelley in there. Credited in the credits for writing the first science fiction book ever for um writing one of one arguably one of the most influential stories of all time you know how they credited her as mrs percy b shelley gonna be perfectly honest that did not start me out well so yes i have read this book many times i did not reread it for this specific uh this specific iteration, but I did read Junji Ito's version of it, uh, and it was incredible. So if you like graphic novels, go read Junji Ito's version of Frankenstein, because it's incredible. It's really, really, really good. Yeah. I think Victor Frankenstein is more of like a creepier badass, where Colin Clive probably too handsome to be a Victor Frankenstein. He's not cool enough for it. He's so handsome. Henry he's a Henry I don't think I agree with that I think it was an arbitrary change and I think they just decided that Henry was a way more palatable name than Victor for some reason and it would uh, endear people the audience to him and it's just a weird change I don't like it and also Victor just feels more of like a Bavarian Alps name than just Hank yeah, I, I also di- I disagree that Colin Clive is a is a handsome man. I, I, I think he's a handsome guy. I, I think I, he's handsome. Nah. I think he's a handsome dude. Hundred nah. percent. Nah. 
I disagree. <laughs> disagree. Handsome guy. Sad guy. Sad, sad guy. Well, Damn. on and that off screen. Guy. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Sad guy. Sad. 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 Turn of events for, it, for it Colin. Is, it's crazy to think that I'm one year away from how old he was when he passed away. That is, yeah. You got to be you got to be hitting the bottle pretty hard for that to be your ultimate demise. Like that's like that's just that's all you're doing, right? Yeah, thirty-seven. 37 I'm yeah. older than him. Like, yeah, but yeah, I feel for him. But yeah, May Clark said he was the most handsome and saddest man she'd ever met in person. Oh. I mean, I can see it, kind of. He, I, I will be honest. I think he's great. Um, I do really like him. His performance. He's awesome. I'm a oh, big fan think, of him. I definitely like big his fan. performance. Yeah. I think he, both him and Boris Karloff, their performances are fantastic. I think where this film falls flat for me is the script itself. I, I think it's a terrible script. Uh, I, but and I, I and I think it's I, I and I, I think that's like my second biggest nitpick. But I, I, I think the supporting performances are kind of kind of batshit kind of all over the place and yeah. it it and i understand that it was a different time and that what horror is now versus what horror was then is different and, and i don't it wasn't even like, horror yet it was just monster yeah. and i and i i i, I like brighter frankenstein i actually really dig invisible man for for what Me it is I think, it's, I think it's a really it's good. interesting movie I it's think, fun yeah but fun. like they i feel like those movies know what they are but like the, the other reason why i hate the intro is because it sets up false expectations. I'm, I, yeah. You, you. I'm watching Frankenstein, which I, I had seen before. <laughs> uh, Brit, um, not that. That's anyways. I had seen it before. I actually watched it with my oldest like years ago, um, and I'm watching it again for this. And I'm thinking like, this is like almost kind of campy. Like Baron Frankenstein is just a fucking like sticky caricature kind him. of person. <laughs> I mean, I don't. It, I, I think I would like him in a different movie, but that's that's what's confusing is I don't I don't really know what they're going for in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it also sounds like the script got changed like a month before they did when James Well kind of bullied himself in there, which you know I appreciate someone just strong arming something, but I don't know I I think um, Henry and the monster are so good that where. Victor is kind of all over the place, and I don't really understand why Victor exists. Um, I'm okay with it, because I think what uh, Colin Clive and Boris Karlov does, the fact that it works 90 years later, is super impressive to me. It's so disappointing to me that we get so few scenes between Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster, because they, like, truly those performances... Are, are what make this film and the fact that we spend so much time with Elizabeth and Victor and so much time with the the townspeople and watching them do random shit and I'm I don't I don't care I don't care about Fritz I, I think I, I mean Fritz but Fritz but Fritz got hung and yeah but it also okay we're just jumping all over the place. Sorry, my bad. But there's a point where Fritz gets hung and and he says at one point, um, he's like, oh, he was always, uh, you know, he didn't like Fritz because he was always antagonizing him. And I'm like, dude, this guy's been alive for three days. And you're saying that he had been doing this for ages. Like the, the script was a mess. The script. Context matters. Why do kids remember the time they went to ice cream more than you do? Shorter life. Little things matter more. So a I few guess. antagonizings 
means he was always doing it. But I also context think matters. Okay, but I don't think there was context for that. I think that was a. I don't think that the film gave us that context. I think that the film assumed we would just take what he said and and went with it, right? Um, I also I, I don't think, think that, there was setup. I also think Fritz, you know, fucking with his brain, could also be a pre antagonism. Yeah, I think that's giving it a lot of credit, and I'm not sure it deserves that credit. I think Fritz is a fucking schmuck. That's what I'm going to go with. Um, oh, Fritz yeah, sucks. Like, like, Fritz sucks. And, like, I really... Uh, uh, Fritz, to me, is probably the worst... I, well, God, there are many, so many... So I think Baron's the worst. I don't like Baron at I, all. I, I don't know. It's, I really didn't like Elizabeth at all, so... I, I thought Fritz... Like, I, I they... Again, like, they write him so... St- like, I, you know, I'm watching... I was re-watching the movie, and it's just... He goes to sneak the brain out. And he grabs the first brain, the good brain, and uh, takes the lid off for some inane fucking reason. And then and then drops it. And I get it. I get, we got to drop the brain so that we can get the, the criminal brain and put that into the monster. But, like, the, it's so funny because one of my favorite small details of the movie happens in that first scene where the gravedigger lights his Piper cigar and he throws the match on the grave and there's just something so like eh, just another fucking dead body and I there's just a weird little detail I liked about that like the great that's just his job and like fuck this guy and I'm gonna do what I need to do I really like that detail Fritz taking the lid off of the first brain when the smash would like I, 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 I this is such a weird thing to get so hung up on but like if the if the jar was going to break anyway why is he taking the fucking lid off of it? It just doesn't let him be startled. Let him drop it. Taking the lid off is just one more thing to make me go, what what the fuck were they doing? What was Fritz doing? What was this movie doing? It it just it hurts my brain. I don't like it. Well, my problem with Fritz is for him to get hung, he probably had to tie his own noose. Because I don't think the monster knows how to tie knots. I, that is valid, like absolutely valid. I, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I think that this is not James Whale's best film by a long shot. I think he got better later. I mean, God, look at the old dark house. That, that movie is incredible. And the performances in that movie are stunning compared to this, especially. And, and the small things like, like, you know, Fritz had to tie the noose like and and Fritz shouldn't be removing the lid like those are things that a director should look at and realize and and consider prior to filming the scene and it, uh, honestly it just seems like that's inexperienced to me I do love the shot and this is kind of twisted but when they open the door and Fritz is swinging I do think that's a good shot oh yeah it, it's a real good for <laughs> Good for her moment, right? Um, where you're like, yeah, fuck Fritz. He can swing there. I mean, Fritz isn't very good at his job, right? No. Why the fuck did he hire Fritz? He's terrible. Who else would work for him? So in that, so so I, so the one movie I watched in, in preparation, I use that in air quotes because I, I wish I would have watched, I wanted to watch more. But I did, um, I mentioned before that I was able to get some movies from uh, my good friend Ian Woodington. And one of them was a Hammer film called The Curse of Frankenstein, uh, which is uh, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee 
um, as Victor Frankenstein and um, and the monster. And there's and I, and I have not read the book, so I I, I don't want to pretend to even know where the variations occur. But one cool thing about the the Curse of Frankenstein is there's this whole backstory about Victor being basically orphaned as a child, but being the head of this estate. And so he grows up without anybody really to watch over him, except for he has a tutor who sort of educates him. And this tutor becomes his assistant. And they have this really interesting push-pull relationship where the tutor realizes that Frankenstein has a lot of potential and is very smart, but where he's going is not where he wants to go. And so the assistant character is way more of a pivotal role. Plus, we just know more about why Frankenstein wants to do what he wants to do. Um, and so, and again, this is a lean, s- s- under seventy-minute movie, and that that does work in its favor. I mean, it is a it's an easily watchable film, but like, I don't know why anybody does anything in yeah. this movie. And it's like we can rag on, like we could pick individual characters, and blah, blah, blah. but at the end of the day, outside of the monster, I don't know why anybody does what they do, and that's. That's a hard sell, even for 30s monster movies. I feel the same way. Also, there's no assistant in Frankenstein um, by Mary Shelley. There's no assistant. Uh, Henry becomes the assistant when they go to create the bride. um, But then they do not finish the bride. And then Henry is strangled. And everybody thinks it's Victor Frankenstein who strangled him. But then somehow he gets acquitted. So it's fine. I did in the in the documentary watch. They did mention that the the assistant character was an invention of the stage play. That's right. I yeah. It's all tied together. Call, where they also call uh, Frankenstein's monster Frankenstein for the first time, which I'm fine with. Like it makes sense. He is the son of Frankenstein technically, so he would take his father's name, right? So. And the bride wasn't made for. Yeah. Henry or Victor, so. Yeah. I don't know. I. So, I mean, Elizabeth, I think we all agree she was not great in this, but I do think I do think this scene in the bedroom before the wedding with the monster is very good. I like that scene. I think it's a very good scene. And I, 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 this, it's like the, the movie goes back and forth between moments I'd like and moments I don't. I, I agree. I like the moment in the bedroom. But then it's like it's such a backdoor thing. Like I think the moment in the bedroom with her and the monster is great, but her reason for being in the bedroom is just utterly absurd. So it's like it's like oh, it's almost like a backhanded compliment. Oh, that scene was great. How you got there? That didn't make that much sense. But the scene was good. It was that good. Is it's a movie where lightning like- makes a smorgasbord of man alive. So you know, if she has to be in a bedroom for a re- weird reason. What are we going to do? Also, Smorgasbord of Man, I'm having Grant make a I'm shirt of obsessed that. with it. And we have the quote for the quote for the uh, Instagram. I'm so thrilled. So thrilled with that one. Because I, I think the way we meet Elizabeth is just very jarring. Victor shows up and it's like, oh, I haven't seen my fiance in years. And then they go to the school and they, it's like, they were like, we want to explain things without doing exposition, so they just kind of throw up made-up words that probably made sense a hundred years ago. And so I think, you know, getting at the idea that Henry wants to kind of be God, they could have easily leaned into that a little bit more. Oh. They censored it, but they oh, could have yeah. leaned into it for us. 
so today while I was watching the movie, um, I was trying to think of what I would have done differently to make this work, especially because they basically were just taking names from Mary Shelley's book and a couple of themes and not actually utilizing them very well. In my opinion, I'm, I know I'm being really harsh on this movie. I apologize. I'll try I to think it works. It. I'm just putting uh, it out there while you... That's great. I'm glad that you were able to find like that it works. It just did not for me. But what I think would have been a far more interesting movie is if instead of trying to make this whole thing happen over the course of many days, because one of the issues I had with this is that um, all of the scenes were way too short and they kind of just jumped from place to place. Agreed. And it's jarring at times. It, it's too jarring. What if this whole thing had been one night? One night where Elizabeth and Victor come and see what Henry's working on. The monster awakens. The monster escapes and kills someone and then comes back. And it happens to be like the reason they're there is because it's the rehearsal dinner or whatever. Or it's the wedding night. You know, something like that where, you know, that it it is a 24-hour movie where Everything happens the same night. It, I think that would have made it so much more interesting for me. If they're going to take these liberties, go all the way instead of jumping from place to place to place. That just pulled me out of it. I also am a huge stan of the original story. So this was always going to be a tough sell for me, like a really tough sell. I read Frankenstein when I was 15 and it was I read like all of the big, big like classic horror stories at that time. So this this was always going to be a tough episode for me. And I admit that right now kind of came in with a bias. So yeah. I I think as an idea, I think that's I think that's that's really unique. I love a clicking a clicking. I love a uh wait, a ticking ticking clock. Ticking clock. Wow. Clocking tick. Oof. Shit. Yes, that. Cut that cut that cut that cut that. Um so yes, uh I I think that's really interesting. There and there was one um you know, uh, Joey kind of hinted at the the taking away the the god thing uh, when when the when when Frankenstein is creating the monster. Um, there was one uh, cut that I think was done for certain countries where you don't see Frankenstein throw in uh, Maria, and so when you see the dad bring the daughter in, it feels more um, sinister. Yeah. Now, now. We could argue this all the live long day, and obviously, you know, it, it probably wouldn't be that hard for somebody to just cut that version together so you could watch it. I'll tell you right now, for my money, that makes the movie t- twenty times more interesting if there's some ambiguity as to what happened. Um, I agree. So, along with the scenes being like one good scene, one not great scene, it also like spoon feed that yeah that 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 soliloquy well, not soliloquy because he's talking to people, but the monologue from the professor. Oh. He had this interest in whatever. It's like, ah, oh, ah, man. Yeah, uh, I'm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, this, this, this was a hard rewatch. I gotta be honest, folks. It's, this was as for as short as it was. This was like, wow, interesting choices all over the place. So I, I agree that taking that scene out, you know, makes everything more sinister, and you're less aware of this is just a misunderstood monster, childish monster, but. When he throws Maria into the water, I laugh my ass off every time. <laughs> like, just... Oh, come on. It's hysterical. Like... I that it's... It, it, I, re, it, like, that's, I un- agree as, like, a movie arc, story arc. Like, yes, taking that out because it's just like, oh, my God, what happened? 
But, like, them just playing flowers, and then he fucking frisbees her into a lake? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) It's so funny. And poor little Maria had to do that, like, 15 times, and the first time they did it, she had so much clothes on, she just floated. (laughs) She got two dozen boiled eggs, though. So, like, girl, girl knew what to ask for. Apparently she could get anything she wanted. She wanted a dozen boiled eggs, which so, I get it. So not only boiled is that shot there. ridiculous, but she fucked up her wish, man. I mean, she really screwed. I get- right? Like, if you could ask for anything, why wouldn't you ask for a kitten or something? Like, I mean, why- and, and if the whole backstory is that her mom wouldn't let her eat certain foods, like, ask for, like, a giant German chocolate cake. Like, I was just like, wow. I mean, eggs are really eggs. good. I, I, third, love, I eggs. love eggs. A hard-boiled egg is a, is a great... Just I'm a, a soft-boiled snack. egg girl. Let's be real, but man, I love I'm the not saying I like hard-boiled eggs. Cool Hand Luke. Cool yeah. Hand Luke. Exactly. I was just about to say yeah. she was the precursor to Luke. That's America. where they got that from. This little twelve-year-old girl. She gets from fris- She gets frisbees, then just downs eggs. Just I mean, w- watching somebody in the bunk reading an old fucking like issue of the New York Times by Morden Hall, be like, ah, oh, interesting idea. She asked oh. for two dozen. Well, she asked for one dozen and got two. Uh, she got two. Yeah. That's- but the other thing is, how fast did she eat two dozen eggs? Like, they don't oh, God, stay good a long time. So. I think the real punishment was that she ate them and then uh, went home and gloated about it in front of her mother and then threw up all over the floor and was like, oh, I was gonna clean say it up, just mom. farted for like oh, five that, days straight. Oh, that's all. It's coming out of both ends now. That's what's, yep. what's going on. It's unpleasant in her home, but maybe she hated her mom that much. She was like, mom, why are you mom. signing off on this? So I... I want to I want to bring something up because uh, every 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 once in a while I'll watch one of these making of documentaries and and somebody who has a really fancy title like critic or film historian will say something and I I, I it's hard to not it, it it just to go like I just disagree I couldn't disagree more when somebody who really has like the the what you know the the accolades and the diplomas or whatever like. I want to believe them, but and I wish I don't. I'm not going to quote the guy, but it's the one that comes on the the the, the Blu-ray, the Frankenstein Files, and some guy was talking about the scene in uh, in which Elizabeth and Victor kind of meet. It's early in the movie, and he comes to visit her, and he goes, you know, for most of the movie, it's wide shots, but then we get to this moment where it's a close up of Henry's portrait, and then the, it's a close up of the maid, and it's a close up of Victor. And it's a close-up of Elizabeth. And he's like, it's such a dynamic choice uh, to, to cut the scene that way. And, and so I, I watched the movie about a week ago, and then I watched this documentary, and then, thank God, I watched the movie again. And I'm watching this moment that he's referring to uh, with, you know, this scene that happens. And not only do I disagree that I think it adds any kind of dynamic tension or, or interesting visualization to the scene, it's also cut so poorly so so poorly Uh, it's like the 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 maid is there and but then he has to be coming through the same door so then it cuts nobody's there and then victor's face is there and it's like the maid didn't just evaporate like she had to be somewhere so not only do i disagree but it's it's some of the worst editing in the movie which is crazy because almost my unsung hero i wanted to be the editor because i think the scene when we first see the monster in that far away mid shot close up is such a great great choice beautiful and yeah. that's again the, the edit like the, it's so it's so interesting like i also i love the the music over the opening credits but then other parts of the movie i think the score is just not good and so 
I'm constantly being in any aspect of it, the acting, like, oh, some people are great, some people aren't. There are there are aspects of the storytelling where scenes are really good and others just clearly aren't. And the push pull on this was like I, it I, I got to the end, I'm like, I don't I don't even know how I feel. And that's tricky because sometimes it's a good thing, but now I'm I'm like I'm really kind of befuddled by this movie. It's it, it's it's a straightforward movie to like not have your feelings in check with it. Like some things like that's good, but I don't besides like I think about when I think about this movie, I think about the lab scene that, you know, he just invited yeah. guests into, which is a fantastic scene. I love everything about it. It's my scene of the movie. The Me too. Birth, you Me know, too. the birth of the monster. I think that's 100%. unbelievable. The quote of the movie is it's alive. Like there's just so much in that scene that is great. Um, the mob chase, I think is great. The, um, the windmill scene in the oh. fire is great. Though when he throws Vic, uh, sorry Henry Frankenstein onto the windmill, I'm like, he just died. Like I, he just killed it. I laugh so I go, hard oh, every time. God. I love a good dummy throw. I, I love it. I love so it. Honestly, I, it might be my favorite thing in movies. There's oh, a yeah. great one in Shaft. Yes. Alice and I just recorded on the 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 newer Grudge movie. There's a good <gasps> one in that. Um, anytime a dummy can be thrown or falling. I, I love it so much. Even when the movie so is commenting on the fact that it's a dummy, I don't care. It's, And so when it's clearly a dummy when he throws it, but when he hits the windmill, I was in, no pun intended, stitches. I thought it was, <laughs> I, it, that might be genuinely my favorite part of the movie. It's so good. I Just like, cause it's so heavy and he just, it just drops, that, just drops. And I just can't help but think like, oh my God, every single internal organ just like, it's exploded. just, it, it exploded in his body. He, if he wasn't dead before, he's definitely dead now. And the way it's oh, all cut so with the good. monster being like, ooh, 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 up top, <laughs> like it's, I like, I love that. So. You know those like kind of three pieces the 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 frisbeeing of young Maria like there's just so much really good stuff. Britt does not like that I call it frisbeeing of the murder. No, of a I child. actually I actually think it's hysterical. I'm gonna be perfectly honest. And um, I was gonna say I think that James Whale figured it out for Bride of Frankenstein because I think that's a far superior movie. Uh, and those comedic aspects he actually just allowed them to be. You know, like he kind of maybe maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but maybe he realized, oh, if I'm going to do this again, I'm going to really, really find those moments because like it's it it is night and day um, between Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, which is also in the book. Um, so at some point we probably will talk about that. But yeah, because I, I mean, I, I think that Frankenstein as a monster has to be funny to work. It's a childish ogre. Like that's that's funny. Whether, you know, because if it's all sinister, it's it's much darker than the misunderstood monster, which is the attempt, right? So it has to have some humor in there to fully work. And I think that's why Bride of Frankenstein works so well. And that's that and see that's so interesting because as much as I thought, and I'm I, sorry to, to bring this movie up again, but like The Curse of Frankenstein, the, the Hammer one that I watched, like by no means a perfect film. I, maybe not even a good film, but what it did that I loved was that it, it was a feature-length film. It was like 95 minutes, and it allowed for backstory to occur in a way that didn't feel too contrite, and that it 
not 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 everything was so serious, but but Victor Frankenstein was not so much this like hell bent madman on bringing like creating something. There was like a, almost like a genuine passion for like how far can we go? Can like, can we do this? And like the, this whole idea of like you know the, the the life and death and and man wanting to feel like God in this movie. Like yes, it's alive, it's alive. I feel like God. He has to exclaim it for us to know that that's really what he's going for. But there is, I mean, there's proof in other movies that it can be this weird, like, obsession that just grows and grows and grows until it's like, I have the money and the capability that I can push this thing to the limit. And eventually I'm going to bring, I'm going to create life where there was no life. And and there it is. Um, I do think that, I mean, I think I, I have not seen it, but by by all intents and purposes, the Abbott and Kinsella meet Frankenstein is supposed to be one of the funniest goddamn things that's been made. And like, and maybe, maybe you just go full camp. You just go full comedy on it or like a young Frankenstein. But like, again, this one didn't, it didn't know which, which wave to ride. And I, and I think it worked to its detriment. And I agree with both of you. I think in Bride of Frankenstein, that's where everything comes together. Because I just think like, the Maria scene, they need, they just did not trust the audience to, like, get to, like, this is a misunderstood monster finding his way, so let's, like, try to, while also having a reason for the mob, like, you gotta trust the people sometimes, it's an hour and ten minutes, like, give us another five minutes elsewhere to build it out a little bit, because I do think it's a really interesting monster that's just going out and just causing chaos in Bavaria. Well, what I find really interesting is um, that they just completely disregarded how the monster is in the book, <laughs> like just completely disregarded everything, um, even down to like he's not in the book. The monster is uncanny, but not technically. And I think that the makeup's incredible. That's one of my like. That's my um, Jack Pierce is my Barnum. unsung hero as we're talking, just the makeup absolute best thing of this movie is the makeup um it's iconic it's incredible it was something so unique and and so influential obsessed with it but the monster wasn't necessarily horrifying to look at mary shelley was actually like explaining the uncanny valley before we had the uncanny valley so one of the things is um when victor finally makes his monster he looks at the eyes of this monster and he's like, something is wrong, like genuinely so wrong with what I have done and immediately goes to sleep, which I can completely understand because when I'm in stressful situations, I sleep. So the fact that he just like books it out of there, out of this room in his dorm where he's made this monster, goes to bed, wakes up and the monster's still there waiting for him. And then he runs away and the monster goes off to kind of like learn and, and try to figure out what's happening. And the monster does kill somebody in the book, but he he kills a young child. But the young child happens to be um, Victor Frankenstein's brother, William, because he tried to find out where he was from because the monster instinct instinctively took a coat because the monster was cold so you know because he is incredibly intelligent he's as intelligent if not more intelligent than victor frankenstein so he learns how to speak in like two months you know all all of this stuff so he goes to try to find where these letters are from these letters that he found in frankenstein's coat and he ends up finding william frankenstein and he's like oh if i can get this child to love me then then maybe i will feel fulfilled but the monster does, is not fulfilled by this, obviously. And the child is like, I'm going to tell my dad. And so he strangles the child. And 
the monster is far more complicated. I I love Boris Karloff's version of the monster, but the monster is so much more complicated in the actual story. And it does gravitate between who is the monster and who is, who is, which one is the monster? Is Victor Frankenstein the monster or is the monster the monster? Because the monster never asked to be alive. And they do not touch on those things whatsoever in this, in this movie. And I think it's a detriment to, to this story. It's a beautiful story that Mary Shelley wrote. And I just wish they had either taken more aspects of that or threw everything else away. Threw everything else away and said, we're just taking the name because it's a good name. You know? It's my issue. I, wait, I, I, so... I, I I thought that in the book, the monster was like eight foot tall with like yellow skin. I didn't think he was so... It's not that he is handsome. I probably said that wrong. But they don't explain him in the way that he looks in the book. And it's like... They're like, oh, he's monstrous. He is eight feet tall. He is different, but yellow he skin, right? Yeah, he's he's not as grotesque as the way that that it's now kind of portrayed and seen, um, especially in the film. It's it's just different. It is it is different, and it is a lot more of the uncanny than it is just like, oh, this is horrifying. It's more horrified by what he has done. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the the idea of who, you know, who is the real monster? Cause it, it, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I, for me in this movie, and maybe this is, I mean, it's, 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 it's Henry and it's not even close. Like it's, it's clearly like, I mean, I, I say clearly, I, it, in, in my opinion, I, I feel like this is, there's no, there's no, there's no ambiguity as to whether or not like the monster is like out for blood or whatever. Like it, it's clearly Frankenstein, and I think that there would be there. I mean, again, there's a there's a cool version of the story out there where it really is kind of this, not not a push pull, but like a you know, well, yeah, he didn't, he didn't ask to be born, but now he's all doing all this stuff, and where does where does the creator fit into all of this? Does he regret it? Does he not? You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the true monster is Maria's dad. <laughs> But, you know, for just fucking bailing to go to a wedding so his daughter could get you No, know, he had to tossed. finish like cutting the logs or whatever, and then they were gonna go together. Yeah, well, yeah. She went for a swim. Hey, but ooh. no. She did. But yeah, I think that just oh, Victor just kind of bailing out his fiance and his job to take over, I guess, Fritz's castle home. Whatever. Like, he's clearly the monster. Like, Henry's the problem here. And I think, you know, like, when, when he got thrown off, I wasn't bummed. I loved it. What? What is the end of this movie? Can somebody tell me what is the end of this movie? Because it is... Studio interference? It is one of the strangest things that I have ever seen. Uh, some of that wine that his grandmother loved and uh, he doesn't need it now. And then the end, like it, it is such a strange, ah, uh, it is. Well, at least Elizabeth and Victor can be together. <laughs> yes. That's what I was hoping for the entire movie. I really was hoping those, those two young kids would figure <laughs> it out. The two people I cared about the least in this movie. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess they, they can be happy together now because they, they made it. Poor Doc Wallman getting 
strangled. But yeah, like because when you know when when the the the, the Ferris wheel what the fuck is it called not a Ferris wheel um uh, the, the, the windmill the windmill the Ferris wheel I'm obsessed wow. with he, the Ferris wheel he wrote it on. like a Ferris wheel yeah but he sure did with his stomach and his God, his intestines I, my brain broke um yeah so okay. when when the townspeople light the windmill and the windmill's going up and uh, you know the monsters screaming how cool ending it there me too That's, it should end there. The townspeople got their comeuppance for something they didn't understand. Hen- Henry's dead. They'll think he's a good guy. When this is all his fault, they'll go to his castle and just see two bodies chilling. Because I'm sure he did not clean them up. And they'll all be real confused. But this castle apparently is just there to be taken and equipped with electricity. So, you know, I would have liked it to end right there. I think that's a better ending because it's more of like a what is... what's. Because what does the next day look like is much more interesting than just, like, what it, what it was. Next that, day looks like hangovers all around, apparently. Because you know that they all went and got drunk after that. Yeah, they won. Poor Maria's dad. What I will say, do? my favorite shot in the whole film was when Maria Maria's dad brings her body into the, um, into the, the town where everybody's dancing and happy. I thought that every single reaction to Sorry. him carrying this lifeless body is and they built upon itself oh it's perfect it is my it is it it's the one moment in the movie where i was like oh this is sinister this is wrong and i can understand how like uh, how they become a mob because that is just so good and then they start talking and the burgermaster starts talking and i'm like jesus christ please don't please stop please stop having any lines man because that just ruins it for me and then i'm like and i'm out but you know because i do think there's a world where they just have maria's dad come in crying and not carrying maria and that's just becomes a throwaway scene but holding her is so strong perfect and and you're right. Everybody's reaction because at first people aren't sure what they're looking at, and it builds, and you kind of and it's it, it. There's tension in there, and you feel it. And you're like, oh, holy shit, something's about to change here, and it's really done so well. There's one woman who's uh, I think she's like serving some beer or something, and she turns around, and the look of of like the look of shock on her face and not understanding what she's seeing is palpable and so good. Like I can envision it right now. And I am, as I'm like pointing towards like in front of me, as if you can see what I'm seeing in my head, but it's, it's so good. And, and as I was, re- cause I really was like, I don't know what my favorite shot in this film is. I think it's shot really well, but again, it's very disjointed, but that one right there, it's perfect. It's so good. And I wish the entire movie had that intensity. The, the other great thing about that moment too, is the, the, people's reactions feel genuine because people are, people notice it faster than others. There are people who are just clearly still dancing throughout the entire thing. And yeah. there's something that feels like it. If That's how it happened in the world. Would say, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It felt very natural for, for like an awful thing, just people in their own life and then other people. So it, really good, really strong scene. My favorite shot is when they're up in the windmill up in, like in the barn part of it. And, we the Frankenstein and the monster are looking at each other through the the wheel that's turning. Oh, yeah. it's good. That, that's, that's a good one. That's very good. That's mine. That's very good. Yeah, my my shot is the reveal of the monster. I oh, think it's, it's that's so amazing too. it's iconic. It's amazing. Um 
I was just going to say this film is filled with incredible shots and I just wish they went together. <laughs> I really wish there was a cohesion between them because the the parts that drag ruin it for me. Whereas it, uh, both of you saying these shots, I'm like, yeah, that's a great shot. Oh, that's a, that's a really good shot. But it this film doesn't elicit a, a great response from me because the rest of it feels subpar compared to those small moments of brilliance. Well, and, and it, I think what kind of reinforces that too is like you, you both talked about the makeup, right? Um, and and uh, my unsung hero is somebody who, who went uncredited and because uh, Charles Hall was listed as the art direction, but I'm actually giving in mind to Herman Rossi, who was the set designer, who gets so much credit for not just the lab, but the, the real German expressionist feel to the movie. Oh, yeah. And like, and I... I, I don't like it when movies feel like they're like they're on a lot in, until it's like oh, it's the exception is the, are the really old movies where I love that it adds such dynamic character to the movie. And there's only and like as much as like we can praise the makeup, of course, and the, the set direction, of course. You know, then the question kind of becomes, is that is that reason enough? to watch the movie and some movies depending on who you are the answer is yes and others not so much and it's another thing to throw into the mix here of like yeah the story is disjointed and cut together kind of awkwardly but god damn the monster looks great and god damn the yeah. the lab and the the steps the, the steepest the steps. steps in the world so good how the hell did fucking uh Homeboy, what's 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 the assist? Fritz, <laughs> the Baron. Fritz. How did Fritz make it down those steps? I mean, I'm assuming that's why he's a hunchback. He took a few <laughs> took a few flights, flips in his life. But like when when Fritz is running through the the castle and like the the huge shadows, like there's Beautiful. just it looks amazing. Yeah. It really does. You know, my my unsung hero is Jack Pierce. He he created all the makeup for this. And, you know, it's. It's it's really just impressive. It's every Frankenstein after has taken this look. The the electrodes out of the neck, the suit, the asphalt boots. Like it's it's just great, and I, I I'm it's so impressive. And if the monster doesn't work, it's stupid because I was one of those documentaries I was watching, and it was one of, like the first stage show of this, and the monster was just like you know like some makeup around the eyes and some color, and it looked good, but this feels like this is iconic. It's everything. Everybody Absolutely. knows what it is, whether you've seen it or not. And Absolutely. to create something like that, how many people get to do that? It's iconic. It's incredible. It's, I mean, God, what the film is, 100 or not like 90 something years old. And we still see versions of that makeup nowadays. It's, it, it was perfect. It was incredible. Um, If we're doing Unsung Heroes... I don't think this is going to come as a surprise to anybody, but my unsung hero is Mary Shelley because she wrote the fucking story <laughs> and they don't give her any credit. You know, Mary Shelley, uh, goth queen forever, she was incredible. She wrote this story when she was 18 years old, pregnant, and managed to create something that was so iconic and incredible and spoke to so many people that we still to this day are getting Frankenstein's monster stories constantly I mean if you look at um I don't know if either of you watched 
like arcane on Netflix, but there are elements of it in that. There's, it, it's everywhere. And I said this already, but they credited her as Mrs. Percy B. Shelley. Do you know how often people still talk about the fact that they think Percy Shelley wrote this because they found notes that Percy Shelley was writing on the manuscript for this of ideas when really that's like an editor's job. It was her husband who was writing like I collaborate with my husband all the time. Am I going to give him writing credits on something? Probably not. I'd probably just say, hey, thanks for the help, buddy, because she (laughs) wrote it. And the fact Poor Neil. He would agree, okay? He would freaking agree with that. But like... Let's call him in. Neil! What do you think? you're just back in the bedroom. He would never do that. He has no interest in ever podcasting. Um, But the fact that they still credited her as Mrs. Percy B. Shelley. She is my unsung hero. Mary Shelley forever. And you know what's you know what's like extra? Well, maybe not. Maybe I, maybe I'm I'm just trying to pour more salt on this wound. But like, what seems more extra fucked up though is that if I'm not mistaken, because I'm not gonna you know like fire up the movie, they do credit Peggy Webling as Peggy Webling for writing the the play. They right. do. Which and but the fact that they decide to Percy. Yep. Yeah. Um yep. it, yeah, it's it's like it almost it's like unnecessarily like and like she's dead. Like what do you it's misogynistic. It's like, what are you fucking doing? Just fucking sorry, now I'm just swearing unnecessarily, but like it just yeah, Never. it doesn't make Never. any it doesn't make any sense. I I you are totally standing get you. up for our goth queen. There's no unnecessary swearing. I um, am I am unfortunately sitting down, but I'm standing up in in uh <laughs> And advocacy. Yes, exactly. Yes. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining um, my cause, the Mary Shelley cause. I uh, also just love goth queen. Uh, she is uh, a goth queen. She base. She. She's a goth. She held. Um, so, uh, a fun fact: I did a lot of research about Mary Shelley because she's incredible. Um, when Percy Shelley died, he he was cremated, but his heart calcified, and she kept his heart until she died. His calcified heart. Uh, she also probably lost her virginity within the vicinity of her mother's gravestone, if not on her grave. Um, <laughs> because she and Percy Shelley um, had trysts, uh, secret trysts that they uh, would meet at uh, in the graveyard where her mother was buried because she is a goth. And yeah, no, um, that is where they first uh had sex and then she got pregnant when she was 16 and her dad was real pissed because Percy was supposed to be there um, under his tutelage because her dad was his mentor and he was married and had children but he believed in free love anyways that's useless but no goth queen no, i'm actually fascinated yeah. please I'm, I'm i was hoping you would give more because oh absolutely no where, where was the calcified heart kept like in, in a big desk. giant necklace, so, like Flava Flav, or like at home? I wish. Oh, my God. That would be incredible. But no, she kept it in her desk because she kept things very close to her. Um, I believe she kept it with a lock of his hair, but I could be making that up because I'm romantic. Uh, but she um, she had three. She had four children um, in very quick succession. Only three of them survived. 
uh, she was basically surrounded by death her entire life. Um, she had a, she and Percy Shelley were involved in the free love movement. So they were like, oh yeah, everybody should be free to love everyone. And depending on who you ask, some people say they were sleeping with everybody, especially when they were hanging out with Lord Byron. But there are a lot of stories where she was not sleeping with anybody other than Percy Shelley, but Percy Shelley was sleeping with everybody. And I mean, every single person. Um, and her father basically just uh, refused to acknowledge her until Percy Shelley died. And she was kind of living destitute. And then he was like, yeah, sure, I'll take you back in, sweetheart. Everybody else is dead. So might as well have you around. Um, she wrote Frankenstein during the uh, the year without a summer, which was, let me look at my notes because I do have this down. Um, it was uh, 19 or 1816 which is the summer after the eruption of Mount Tambora in Indonesia, which triggered a change in the global climate. And like 200,000 people died because they couldn't like grow crops. It was a really, really awful, sad time. Um, But it was uh, rainy and crappy and nobody could leave like Switzerland, like go outside in Switzerland. So that's why Percy Shelley and... Lord Byron and all their friends decided to write horror stories. And that's where she came up with Frankenstein when she was 18. She has a fascinating life. There's actually a really great podcast called um, Vulgar Women. She did a Halloween episode about Mary Shelley. Highly recommend it. Her mom, Mary Wollstonecraft, died 18 days after she gave birth to her due to a postpartum infection because, you know, everybody's hands were dirty. Um... You know, she was just a a goth queen, surrounded by death her whole life, kept her husband's heart forever. It's dope. I love her. Um, Now, I've not seen this movie. How do you, have you seen the Mary Shelley film that came out in 2017? I actually like it. Okay. I do. Yeah, Elle Fanning. That's the one with Elle Fanning, right? Yeah, that's what what the interwebs are telling me. I am a, an Elle Fanning stan, so I'll basically watch anything, even Neon Demon. She's great in Neon Demon, even though that movie is terrible. Um, but I actually liked it. I thought it was good. Is there a lot um, of sex on graves? No, no. Uh, no sex on graves. Uh, I mean, what I the might, fuck are we doing here? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to watch that one, then. Yeah. yeah. What's the sex point? on graves, I'm in. Otherwise, what, what are we doing? The movie should be called Sex on Graves. I mean, that I'm going to go write sex yet. on graves after this. But, yeah, no. I shall... <laughs> Mary Shelley, goth queen forever. I love her. She's my unsung hero. Definitely not sung in uh, history at all. That's a great answer. Yeah, probably the appropriate answer. Jack Pierce. Jack Pierce. Um, All right, we all did shot. I got really mad. I'm sorry. I got really mad when I saw that she wasn't credited properly, and I was like, this is sexist trash, and it kind of ruined my viewing experience forever. Yeah, you don't don't want to introduce yourself as Mrs. Neal? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I actually asked Neil, I was like, what would you do if I was introduced as Mrs. Neil Hobson? He was like, well, that wouldn't happen. And I was like, no, um, I'm pretty sure it could happen at some point. He was like, that's just, that would make me feel uncomfortable. And I was like, thank you. Right answer. Somebody called me. Um, it was like a, a person trying to buy my parents' house because they're, you know, shysters or whatever. Not my parents, the people on the phone. And uh, the person was like, hi, is this Mrs. Ryan or Mrs. Reinholtz? And I was like, oh, yeah, which one? You know, because there's a couple of us. And she goes, um, Mrs. 
John Reinholds. And I burst out laughing. And I was like, if you knew my mother, you would know that my father is probably Mr. Teresa Reinholds. And she is absolutely not Mr. Mrs. John Reinholds and hung up the phone. Um, and my mom found it pretty funny because she was like, oh, hell no. Um, no way. Awesome. It's so sexist. It's so misogynistic. It makes my skin crawl. Well, I still don't understand the difference between Miss and Mrs. This went, no matter how many times people um, explain it to me, but um, I, I just take it in into that's me fighting that's against okay. misogyny. I don't think it's Damn misogyny. Man. I just think there's too many options. I don't. My brain can't function it, so that's how I I, I, I don't like not understanding things. So I just prefer saying, hey, you. Yeah, that's fair. Or just yeah. like, Hi. I could get around talking to people without ever saying anything, calling them anything. Skill. I'm just going to start calling everybody champ. Hey, buddy. I don't think I want to be called champ. Please don't. All right, pal. Hey, come on, champ. Come we're, on, pal. We're, we got to wrap up this podcast. We got to. That come on, makes my skin crawl. <laughs> no. All right, pal. What is your quote of the movie? Oh, God. Uh, when he says, now, uh, now I know what it feels like to be God into it. Great line. Great line. Great delivery. And they cut it because, you know, they had priests in charge of uh, the Hays Code. So. Now, insane. Now, listen. Fucking listen, insane. That is obviously the right answer. Yes. I Thank would you. like to. It's sub- mine as well. I would like it's to. It's alive! Sub- I, I would like to submit um, a line from. To the Midnight uh, Society? From the, yeah, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> from, the, from the Baron when he goes. Amazing. Perhaps you know what all this Tommy Rot's about. Um, because I did not know that Tommy Rot was a real word, uh, which is slang for baloney. Like, what is all this baloney about? Um, Tommy but Rot. But he says Tommy Rot. And, uh, I love it. Hot damn, did that make me smile. So um, the, we all know the real answer. But I think the funny answer is the, I one, like that, the, funny the answer. one where Tommy Rot is there. Can we add a category like biggest Tommy Rot moment? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. Adam, write that down since I feel like you're the note taker. I mean, you know, I'm the chaos queen like, that can't what, uh, choose a list for her life. Like, right, but that's the Tommy Rod of your episodes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every single time I forget that we do lists, even though we've been doing this for uh, like a year at this point. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Biggest Tommy Wright moment. Like, what a great category. Tommy, biggest Tommy Rot moment. Oh, obsessed. It's amazing. I mean, I can't wait for the season wrap-up when we have to have the Tommy Rot moment of the season. The Tommy Rot Awards. We already know what Joey's is going to be, though. It's going to be Brit's attraction to meatloaf, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck you both. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've been working an email for uh, Mr. Mr. Britt Reinholds Hobson over there. Yeah, Mr. Yep. There you go. There you go. Uh, I'll give you his email off off uh, screen. He already knows. Oh, I will say. Did I already tell you this? That my uh, bestie Olivia and I maybe had a few too many beers after watching Barbie, and she agreed with me about meatloaf. So um, interesting. Versus versus Cool Hand Luke. Well, no. Okay, I never. We never said it was Uh, against Cool Hand. You did. No, I. This is. It's in tr- it is on audio. It is on tape deck Actually, or some I, version of sound. You ranked Meatloaf 
over the most handsome man. No, I did not. Yes, Actually, you did. I didn't put either movies in the book. Let's be perfectly honest. I'm not talking there. about the movies. I'm talking about your handsome meter. Uh, no, you went no, meet low Brett. No, I didn't because I said we did Mary Fuck Kill on um, that one movie that none of us enjoyed, uh, The Third Man or The Thin, Thin Man. Man. <laughs> Thin Man. And I said that I would absolutely fuck Paul Newman and I would absolutely kill Meatloaf. So that is a bold faced lie, my friend. But that was after weeks of jokes. <laughs> so I incepted you to change it. <laughs> oh, that's bullshit. But I'll let you have it. Whatever. Yeah. Meatloaf forever. <laughs> Oh, hot damn. Mm. Meatloaf or Frankenstein's monster? I guess that's the next question. Frankenstein's monster. Obviously, that's the obvious choice. Yeah, I mean, Meatloaf's character in that is just a ripoff of Frankenstein's monster anyway. It's all, but it's also like, like Boris Karloff was a, was a handsome fella. Super handsome. Very striking. Very, like, really strong features. That's what got him. And he was so upset when they cast him because he was dressed in his best suit when they saw him. And he thought he looked so handsome. But But good-looking dude. And his striking features got it and made it work. Such a great quote from his daughter in that documentary where she was talking about uh, a typecast actor is a very lucky actor. And I I, I think that that's that's so true in there. I mean, so many great modern-day examples. You're you're Steve Buscemi's... Your um um your William H Macy's your Catherine Hans right your people who are like they're so good at playing a, a a type of character that like they just work for fucking ever and that's Pinhead. Pinhead yeah. is probably the most iconic of like the right. horror villains that sure. Like, well, I don't know. Like there are other people, but like he's made a name for himself just being Pinhead. And he wasn't Pinhead in the original movie. It was just so good they just had to like lean into it. So good. Do we have? We haven't really talked about Frankenstein in a few minutes. So, do we have anything else to say about Frankenstein? Sorry. No, it's good. This was good. I think this was a great conversation. We got all our scenes, Fair quote shot, shots. Scene. Right. All right. So the question is: Does 1931 Frankenstein belong in the book? Thousand one movies you must see before you die. Brit, I will ask you first. Okay, I'm I'm going to throw a wrench in things, you guys. Big surprise. I don't like this movie. It hurts me to say it, and I understand that it's a classic, but I think that the themes are muddy at best. They don't spend enough time with the characters to create any character growth, and there's basically no work for anybody. Um, They took the names from the book, and they left out so much that made this whole story poignant and tragic. You know what I do like? I really like Bride of Frankenstein a lot. Um, I think the Bride of Frankenstein is far superior, but Bride of Frankenstein is already in the book. I also think that Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein are a set. I think that they both make more sense when you see them together. Because Bride of Frankenstein is a continuation and kind of a finishing of what Frankenstein started. So I have a proposal, and this is a, I believe it's a first-time proposal for 1001 by 1, and I will allow you to veto this, but I think that we should combine Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein into one entry, like they did 
for Toy Story, Star Wars, and Lord of the Rings. They're both by James Whale. The second is a legit sequel to the first. And there's no reason not to combine these two movies into one entry. And if we did that, then like I would be able to add a new movie in. And if I were to do that, I would add in a movie with similar themes and that would be Alex Garland's Ex Machina. Oh, oh man, that's... Well, my first point is Ex Machina is amazing and should be in the book. But answer the question, Britt. Does it belong in the book or not? And then we'll worry about vetoes. I did answer it, and I said that it should be combined. And if you're vetoing that, then I'm going to say no, because Bride of Frankenstein's already in there, and Ex Machina should go in. I, I oh man I you know what it's 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 one of those things where I think there's <laughs> no we're just I, the arbitrary rules of this podcast I right. do think that we create rules we have to live by while there is precedent <laughs> in the book there is not precedent on the podcast and, okay perfect and I think I but this is also because I think putting next Mac in the book is just like fucking absolutely a badass choice so um. I'm with Joey, but mostly because I I support your replacement heavily. I'd get my replacement in there either way, so I'm not too concerned about that. But I was trying to keep a classic in there. Um, But I'm going to say no then, because I think that Bride of Frankenstein does it better. And I'm going to go with Ex Machina. Man, Ex Machina belongs in the book. Anyone who says no has never seen Ex Machina. That's, That's my answer movie's fucking amazing it, um, it, it sure is Adam does this book does this movie belong in the book um uh, no I don't think that it does and I you know I was just quickly I was just kind of trying to look through you know Dracula is in the book Bride of Frankenstein is in the book I know it's not a universal monster but like King Kong is in the book. You know, there are a lot of these um, older monster movies, horror movies, whatever you want to call them, that I do think um, are more a little more compelling and and have things that support them up a little bit more. Um, so, so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with no. Uh, we are really we are really uh, doing something to the people like the people all the people who left treasure this year, Madre and, and other movies that are that we're just kind of dumping on, I which know. I love. I know I'm so sorry. Um, I, I wish my I, I got to be honest. I don't I I don't think that my uh, replacement is as good as Brits. Uh, but um, it is it is in the, that kind of the horror realm. Um, and it actually was uh, a movie that I recommended on uh, the episode when we did Lolita back it's years ago now. Um, and I'm replacing this with uh, Neil Marshall's The Descent. Um, I just I just fucking really, really love that movie. It's about so kind of about humans that have shifted into other things. Maybe there's a weird connection there. Uh, I just think it's a really great, uh, a great movie. horror movie. Such a good movie. Um, and... Uh, and there's a lot going on there, and it's genuinely frightening. Um, so I'm 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 saying no to Frankenstein, which uh, just sounds weird to say. And I'm re- I'm replacing it with the the Descent. Yeah, great movie. Um, I think the two always right answers for what belongs in the book are now Ex Machina and Goodwill Hunting. But <laughs> um, but yeah. So we're not gonna have a clean sweep here because I think this does belong in the book. I I think it's important. There's enough in there that works a lot. 
it's my favorite of the you know Bride of Frankenstein is better, but it's my favorite of the the monsters and it's its origin and it's something that people you know it created something, and while sure it skimmed the the the, the text the you know the source text I I think it's good I did enjoy it and um, I think it's important I think it matters and I think it should absolutely be in the book. So that's my answer. That's totally fair. Just and I, I just wish go, I could say it should. But be now right. I'm gonna go watch Ex Machina because now it's, it's so good. It's so good. It's, it's it's my top ten movies by far. It's I love Ex Machina. So just for the for the record for for you two and anybody tracking this shit, which I'm sure you're not, because why would you? You're same people who just list, like to listen to podcasts. Um, this is the the twentieth film we've covered not in a ranking um, right there have been 10 movies that we've all agreed on and 10 <gasps> really? movies and 10 movies that have been split in one way or another so Dang. that's amazing lots of lots of, of variation us. here um so so yeah uh that's that's our those are our thoughts on frankenstein uh i i what i i'm i thought it was actually a very fascinating conversation i can't wait for the vitriol thrown at us that don't like it It'll it, me. It, it'll be uh, it, it'll it'll be uh, it'll be fun. Um, hey, listen, vitriol means people are listening, so bring I'm it on. I'm into it. That's yeah, fine. I dig it. Yep. I dig it. Um, so yeah, you can find us on 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 Twitter and and Instagram, and you can listen to us in all the places where there are podcasts. Um, so next week, uh, we are discussing a movie that I I have continuously uh, tried to to watch and and decide whether or not I actually like it or not and we're discussing Jane Campion's The Piano. Um straw poll just before we like we part ways. Have either of you two seen The Piano? I saw it years and years and years ago when I was way too young to see it. So I don't remember a ton of it. Um I I do remember fingers. I remember one scene of it, but I I saw like it's I saw it in theaters and I I don't remember oh, much. Dang. Interesting interesting um so yeah so um uh so that that's coming up next um we'll talk jane campion we'll talk uh, australian we'll talk mute performances you know we'll talk a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff uh uh next time uh but until then i am adam i am mrs neil hobson (laughs) and we will see you for the piano
And I am Joey.